The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. This podcast is presented in front of a live Astadio audience. Fresh off his trip to South Bend, we've got Tom Schreier in the building, Midwest Swing, part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. And I trust that... By sprinting out of the door after last Friday's podcast, yep. you made your flight. Yeah, I did. I, I have a, a brief story. Um, I uh, let's hope so. So, just, Justin, I know because it's it's actually I, it is barely baseball related. I bet I've got a better story than you. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll, we'll compare in a second. Mm-hmm. The uh, Bailey had a hard out. Uh, luckily, whoa, <laughs> that's what it's called when you have to leave at one o'clock p.m. And we were recording at noon okay. and Bailey reminded me that I had a fight at two 30, which is actually something that happened. So I, uh, I was going out to see my sister who attends the, uh, I know this is going your ride to the location. To South Bend. Yeah. yeah. So I uh, going to see my sister who is a senior at the university of Notre Dame. Now, you know, this was your fault for flying into Gary and then driving to South Bend. Right? No, you no, I'm kidding. You know I'm that, kidding. I'm you, kidding. No, you know that there is an airport in Gary though. I believe it. Gary, Indiana, by the way, very sketchy, like highest per capita, I think, murder rate. It's like Detroit, but fewer people know about it. Um, it's where Latroy Hawkins is from. Little yeah, the airport's fact. named after him, actually. No. No, it's not. Um, the uh, It is, they try to promote it as like an, an option to fly into, like, so there's Midway and there's uh, O'Hare. I flew into Midway, was going to rent a car. I'd never rent cars. I think you did going to Kansas City, right? Kansas City is one of those places. Yeah, it wasn't great. Um, they because I used the wrong credit card, they got all mad at me. I said F you basically and cancel the order. And I tried to take a, a an Uber to South Bend, Indiana. <laughs> How far is that? Uh, it would be a two and a half hour drive. It would have been a uh, $130 Uber ride. It is actually cheaper than renting a car, which is ridiculous, but it, it is true because I'd have to either drop the car off in South Bend, which it costs more money to drop it off in a separate location or the cost of keeping it and then driving it back would have been more. So I get an Uber. I didn't realize that they don't tell Uber drivers where you're yeah, going. When no, they, pick they you don't. Up. Also, they only, they take 60% of the, the ride. So even though they subsidize it, Uber and Lyft subsidize every ride, they take a sum. So it's a, a kid from the university of Illinois, Chicago, get talking to him, big Cubs fan. So he's wearing the, that's the baseball tie in. And the only one I have here, other than that, my destination was actually Rocco's pizza in South Bend, mm. which is, the I doubt Rocco Baldelli's pizza, probably but, not. But uh, the it is like the best pizza joint, or maybe the only pizza joint in South Bend, Indiana. Regardless, what I did is in the middle of the ride, I shut off my lift, so it says I'm like basically on I 94, and it's like he kicked me out the door and the lift stopped. And then Venmo to money, which there is <laughs> nothing scarier than Venmoing some random dude like a hundred dollars to be like. Please drive me to Indiana. <laughs> I wish you guys could see the look that Justin and Brandon are giving me. It's not a. It's not one of like uh, approval. Or... I'm going to be reading his eulogy, and it's going to say something like that. <laughs> so I did a. I we did a fifty-fifty. I, I gave him fifty bucks, and then uh, you know right away, and then fifty when we arrived. Super nice guy. We spent most of the time talking about him bummed about the Cubs. He's not a fan of Justin Bailey. He actively doesn't like Justin That's Bailey. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, Brewers fan. But uh, And then we talked about Grand Theft Auto and something else. And that filled the car ride. So it wasn't sketchy, though? It was like. No, it was. He was driving a, like a Mercedes. And I was like, dude, how are you like in a student at the University of Illinois, Chicago and an Uber driver? 
and I'm like, there's no way you can afford this car. You drive. It's a little bit older, but mm-hmm. whatever. My we pulled up. My parents were like, "You are the worst," and I'm like, "I am the worst." <laughs> They're not just realizing this now, are they? <laughs> no, I mean it's just reinforced the notion for them. But that is my story of going to South Bend, Indiana. Should be back for a little bit, and obviously have spent a lot of time watching the playoffs. Got a lot of text during that ride about how my friends from St. Louis complaining about. His St. Louis Cardinals who are having some trouble in the playoffs. So my story, my sister's getting married this weekend, and so that's why I can't do the Twins media get-together at Top Golf, which sounds like fun. I've never been able to go. Like, every time someone invites me, I'm like, oh, I got something going on. I don't golf, by the way, and we'll be barely up at 9 a.m. So 2011, I got married, and that, like, two weeks before, my brother got drank so much Monster, he had caffeinated indu- or caffeine-induced psychosis and, like, to this day still has issues from it, like... What? So, so he's in the hospital and barely got out for my wedding. How much, just as a warning to the general public, like how much monster do you have to drink? I, I have no idea. It was like a lot. He just wasn't sleeping and he was drinking like six monsters a day, I'm sure. Oh. And so this weekend, my baby sister, well, one of my baby sisters, I have three of them, is getting married. And so my mom texts me on Sunday, hey, your sister's being my other sister, the oldest of the three, and the middle one is getting married. The oldest one is being ambulance driven to Grand Forks two hours away with blood clots in both of her lungs. And so um, she went in to get checked. She thought she had asthma. She had thought she was just getting sick. They're pretty much like, yeah, if you hadn't gotten checked, you'd have been dead within like a day. Oh, cool. Yeah, my 30-year-old sister. So it's not a wedding in my family unless someone has to be taken to the hospital the week of. Oh, my God. So, yeah, kind of wild. Kind of a lot going on this weekend. Cheers. Uh, cheers. By the way, we got Justin Bailey. Who is the, I think he's the fan favorite. I think people listen to us just because we know a little bit about the Twins. I think that people come to the podcast for Justin Bailey, who is drinking a red dog because it's a red dog at 2 o'clock. Oh, by the way, day. I forgot my brother is not going because of medical issues too. So Cody, who's yeah. big, big, he's, you can follow him on Twitter, Big, big Twins, Twins fan. fan. I think it's at Warren Cody for Twitter. And so, yeah, so Be- lots of stuff going on. So I have not been thinking a ton about the Twins, but we've got a lot of questions. We've got a lot of things to get to for sure. Yeah, before we get to that, use MWS20. As the login code, it will get you $20 for the whole year to support this podcast, baseball coverage, ads. And coach. you will pay $20. We will not pay you $20. No, so I, make unless, sure, make unless sure Bailey clear. wants to. Yeah, we'll make sure uh, Tom Schreier, too, is not. <laughs> ben mowing ben ben. random people money? I have done it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a TS3 thing, not a TS2 thing. <laughs> but, yes, yeah, so we got a lot of questions. So you wanted to talk about the fact that. I did not have the Twins re-signing Jake Odorizzi in my off-season blueprint. Which was maybe an o- oversight while we were doing the show, but just so people know, this blueprint is online. Uh, we did talk about oh, it. Oh, and David Freeze show. retired, so when I go back and fix it, maybe later today, Justin yeah. Smoke is going to be who I have. I love it. So we but but thinking way, about it. Um, we should mention, we ta- we discussed the blueprint on yep. the last show. Check and it out. it's online um, if you want to read about it. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Libsyn, wherever you get your podcast, the purple icon on iTunes or on your iPhone. There's all kinds of ways to find us and hit subscribe, give us a five-star review online. We'd really appreciate that as well. Whatever you can do for us, we certainly appreciate it. And then obviously you have the article online. And so looking it over again and and just kind of thinking about what you had, um, yeah, I think the only surprise, I mean, you filled out a rotation, just it didn't include Jake Odorizzi. What do you think Odorizzi gets and why wouldn't the Twins give it to him? I think like he's going to get like three years and maybe 45 or 50 million. And I think what'll happen is the twins will be in a weird spot with 
if they sign someone for multiple years, it'll be for more money and a higher end pitcher, you know, Zach Wheeler, obviously. And if they aim lower, it'll be a pitcher for one year, like a Michael Pineda, obviously, or some kind of space filler until Pineda can come back or like a Tanner Roark, like two years, 10 or 12 million per. And so I think Odorizzi might just be in that weird kind of middle ground where the twins just aren't looking to go to that level for that kind of pitcher. Now with that said, do I hope they bring him back? Yeah, because he's great to talk to in the clubhouse. He's a good pitcher. Yeah, we should point out not only good to talk to, but an advocate for Rocco and his system. Big like, Rocco guy, yep. And can explain in like human terms what, and not to say, I mean, the front office and Rocco are very like human people, very accessible people, but. But the synergy is strong there. So, I mean. And he can explain. It, I would actually say it's a little like Glenn Perkins. Glenn Perkins could explain kind of the advanced metrics and how he used it in his pitching to the other players and to the media. Mm-hmm. I would say. You know, Jacob Rizzi can kind of articulate. He can be that middle ground between front office and, you know, in addition to the manager to the players. And certainly all those guys that were free agents said they would like to be back with the Twins if everything's right. What's the downside if they do all the moves that you have and add him? I know that's six starting pitchers, but Kyle Gibson could start in the bullpen. I can't see any downside. It's just that now would be $160 million payroll, and I'm not sure that they're going to go that high. Yeah. I mean, I, I there's nothing wrong with going to 160. But I wanted to maintain a sense of realism in that I think 145, 146, I think it was 146 point something. To me, that seems a little more realistic. 160, as much as 160 is probably where they can be without any problem, just to me didn't seem realistic one year after starting at like 127 or whatever it was or 124. It's it's worth noting, and I know people get frustrated when you talk payroll, but I think we should note this. They're going to be a little bearish right now in the beginning of the winning, what should be a winning curve, right? And the proof of concept was 101 wins this mm-hmm, year mm-hmm. because they should spend the money on Brios. They should spend the money on Buxton. These guys will get more expensive very quickly. So I think they are going to pencil in some of those. They should. They should be. Let's put it that way. Penciling some of those contracts. Having said that, if you get into the 160 range, and this is just worth stating, Phillies, 157. This is last year. Mets, 160, Angels, 160, Nationals, 168, Houston Astros, 168, Cardinals got up to 164. That would that kind of spans basically between 5 and 10, those payrolls. Mm-hmm. So at some point, the Twins should have a top 10 payroll, I believe, because I think the Twins should be aiming at a I, th- I think they were ninth in, a, in 2010. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think 2011, they spent a lot of money, lost a lot of games. Oh, that, that obviously it has to do with injury. And for people... Just to kind of level set here, the Twins were 18th last year with 124, almost 125. That puts them in between the Rangers are 15, Brewers, Reds, Twins, Indians, Diamondbacks. I mean, I, I you know, Tigers. I think they're in the range of what you'd expect given market size, I think. Um, having said that, it also shows that payroll – well, it, there is some correlation. It is not a one-for-one. One. It mm-hmm, is very mm-hmm. hard. It is not – I think people get this, but it's not like the NBA where you go out and get two, three players and you have a team right mm-hmm. away that can compete. Right. We're going to see that in the upcoming season. That stuff's exciting. It's just not baseball and how it works. Um, you know, I, There's teams that spend a lot and don't win much, and there's teams that spend less. And while I think it will hurt Cleveland long-term and it will hurt some of these teams that are more frugal um, – you know, we, we saw Dodgers, now they've been in the playoffs, but have had lack of success relative to their payroll and the market they're in. 
you know, Red Sox Cubs didn't make the playoffs, Giants didn't make the playoffs, you know, on and on, right? I mean, you see that payroll has to be spent wisely. It doesn't need to just be spent. And I think that's, you know, worth noting. Yeah, the raw number doesn't matter much to me. The Twins were 10th for end of year payroll in 2010, 103 million and change. They were 9th in 2011, 115 million and change. And they're even 13th in 2012. So lose 99 games, still 13th. And even though it went down 14 million, still in the upper half. But then 82 million down to 76 million by the end of the year in 2013, 24th. They've not been outside the the top 20 until last year when they were at 143 to end the season, which was some maneuvering with picking up Logan Forsyth at the end and that sort of thing. So it's also worth noting people should know this process. Felvin Levine need to go do ownership just as any general manager managers Mm -hmm. need to do. And they need to pitch it. Like this is why we're spending your money. Right. And, but they said also at that this together last Wednesday, they weren't, they're not worried about having to ever do that. In fact, I felt like they felt emboldened by this season. Is that, is that the sense you got? I think, I don't know if it's emboldened, but I think that where they're at is if they can make a good case for adding that player, it's going to happen. Now, it's not that Garrett Cole will get too expensive and it's not that Garrett Cole won't help this team. It's that I think there is going to be a general range where they're going to want to stay to maintain fluidity because fluidity is the number one thing they value in, in payroll so that they can maneuver within a certain window so that they're not caught on their heels when Byron Buxton blows up in a year or two and can't afford to keep him. Because here's the deal. If you go out and sign a bunch of good players this offseason, but it costs you Byron Buxton in two years... Now, people will say, well, why don't you sign them anyway? It's it's not your money. The problem is, though, that th- there is probably a, a drop deadline in the sand, whether it's $200 million or what. Maybe they don't know what it is. But the fact of the matter is you want to keep the fluidity to keep the stars you develop and supplement them. And that means that maybe you don't want Garrett Cole for nine years at $35 million per year, again, hypothetically. Right. I, I think here's what I'd say to people who – don't quite know what to make of the Twins, and I think that's fair given that we've seen 85-78-101 in the last three years, and obviously a manager change and kind of a regime regime change. But mm-hmm. if they don't, if and I'm going to assume here, Buxton stays relatively healthy, Barrios continues on the trajectory he's on. If they don't retain those players, I think I'd get up in arms and say, yeah. what what is going on here? The, I, there's a guaranteed $30 million on the books for next year. How much of it can you identify without me telling you? $30 million. So who is signed for next year and who has money for next year? So that's not counting Perez's option. Nope, right? 500000 buyout. So um, then there's four players under contract. Marwin? $9 million. Uh, we're assuming Cruz? $10 million. Or no, $12 million. Which so 32, <laughs> money, so money well spent. $32 million, sorry, not so 30. there's two more players. you got to get these, man. Come on. These are the easiest, I guess. The these are the ones. easiest ones. And, and when I tell you who they are, if you don't know, you're going to be like, how did I say yeah, that? Yeah, go, go ahead, because I obviously am going to... Kepler miss. and Polanco, yeah. the two oh, guys yeah, who signed yeah, at the same Kep- time. And, and both <laughs> those, and both those we should note, are very like team-friendly deals. Oh, now, yeah, yeah, now yeah. that doesn't matter to fr- or fans as much, but um, I think it will in the long term, in the same sense that Diggs and Thielen, for example, on the Vikings, had to take relatively team-friendly deals in order to make that whole teamwork right or whatever i think in the big picture if the twins put those two big 
players in place, right? Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. Brio's contract, the Boston contract. You start building up the middle. Um, and Garver's a big part of that too. I, Garver's going to be a weird one as a relatively inexperienced but older and accomplished player. I mean, he's just there's very few players like yeah, him. Yeah, it sense they'll give him like 700000 or some kind of – or six uh, – let's see, Brio's got 620 last year. I, w- I would suspect they'll bump him significantly above minimum but not – you know, he's not going to get a million dollars or anything, yeah. But which is insane given what he offers. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think the truth with him too is, and we'll get to Rosario in a second. Same thing for Kepler. Same thing for Polanco or any player in this league. How the ball is construction constructed will matter next year. Yeah, oh yeah. I don't want it. To, I think Mitch Garver is a good hitter no matter what. I don't know if he's a thirty home run hitter. I think he'll hit eighteen home runs next year. It sounds right to me. I mean. Uh, Nelson hits 30, right? I mean, if he's healthy. Probably. Um, I don't – I think Kepler's going to slot in 2025, right? Mm-hmm. I think Polanco s- slots in 2025. I think he's 16 to 18 as well. I don't think he's Yeah, that less more. than that. Yeah, so – but that doesn't mean – Polanco's such a good hitter in my mind, and I'm talking he can get on base and do all mm-hmm. the other things other than hit home runs well, that he could be a second baseman down the road. And, in fact, I think the best thing for this team is Royce Lewis comes up, goes, I'm a major leaguer, and yep. as soon as I yep. – play game one i'm spending the rest of the time in the major leagues right outside of rehab assignments whatever but if he really grasps a hold of the shortstop um i think that's the best thing for the team because i think polanco is going to end up being a second baseman having said that i think he can hit at the level second baseman is expected to now i went back and read the transcript from last wednesday and the interesting thing to me was he said thad did on a side session after with a couple reporters not to view the Nelson Cruz option, and I guess in some respects, Marwan Gonzalez taking a $3 million pay cut next year as they expected the players to have any kind of decline or anything, but rather they wanted to agree to a general dollar figure and then how they structured it was just flexibility in the future, flexibility in the future, flexibility in the future. And that's going to be, I think, something that's important moving forward for them is if the payroll projects to be a little bit down in the year that you're in, for instance, the year of our Lord 2020 next year, then maybe that Zach Wheeler deal gets front r- front roll, uh, yeah, front loaded, front, yep. 25 million, like I said in my br- blueprint, yep. to the point where a lot of that money comes out up front. Then not only are you prepared for if a guy falls off and you're only paying him like 18, 16 million down the end, but also again, it's easy to push money back to say, oh, well, we'll pay it later, like the Nationals deferring just piles of money for Max Scherzer. Which looks really smart right now. We'll see yeah. throughout the – When it becomes yeah. the Bobby Bonilla thing, we'll see. Yeah. But I think paying it up front makes more sense because then your payroll looks more respectable for the people that get all all up in arms about that. I, but I, also I, you, I, you just – that flexibility when a player like, for instance, Lance Lynn becomes available on a one-year deal – you're not going to want to be gun shy because it's a good pitcher. Oh, one year deal, you know. No, you should only. I think the lesson learned there is you should only have like one or two of those, right? Because those players, the Morrisons, the Lins, the whoever it was that year, weren't very invested in the Twins long term. I think at the very least, Marvin Gonzalez and we know Nelson Cruz were. Mm-hmm. Now, who mm-hmm. knows where Nelson Cruz ends up? But it's funny although he'd be remembered more as a Texas Ranger or maybe even a Seattle Mariner, he may become part of the organization. That's the one thing about kind of getting these guys invested is what if I could see Rousen getting a job? I know that seems crazy, but it's been floated, and I I really think highly of him. You mean I, like a managerial job? Managerial well, job. Well, because he interviewed 
I think the job that would be a great fit for him, but it's not going to happen, is the Angels because he came up with the Angels in their system yeah. as a manager. In fact, and I've said this on Twitter multiple times, Casey Kochman's dad called him Black Magic in the minors as his coach. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. I'm not totally <laughs> sure that that's uh, radio that's, appropriate. Or, or It's a lot. It's a lot. But uh, no, I mean— It's a lot it, to take he, in. That's, that's incredible. But he is— a, he has done a really good job with the hitters. We know that, the Bomba squad and all that. He also is one of the best people that when you can get his attention to talk to uh, about hitting, about baseball, about just kind of the mentality of baseball players. Right. And I think I, I think it'd be really smart that if somehow that was vacated down the road, you know, hopefully not next year given the, you know, the Twins probably don't want too much turnover. It's Shelton and Rousen going. Um, Nelson Cruz could be a hitting coach i mean is that a crazy thought right i don't know it's so weird because sometimes really good hitting coaches can be good yeah. hitters but then also you've got like rod carew was a hitting coach for the angels and didn't last very long ted williams was like the greatest hitter ever and Br- didn't was a brutal manager so brunanski i never got because he'd be the most familiar comp to me he seemed to be pretty good frank minichino got promoted to do the job for the uh, white Sox this upcoming season so it's always weird when a guy who has some big league experience is going to be a hitting coach. But honestly, for for what Cruz does to prepare himself for baseball activity, whether it's his sprints or his hitting or I doubt he ever even throws, but anything that he does to prepare himself, he seems to be meticulous. So I think that lends itself to the potential that he would be a good instructor I, in whatever capacity you put him in. This is a quick aside, but I thought of that with Cruz given that the man naps like five times a day or whatever. That's a little less than Bailey, but still pretty good. Bailey is napping right now. He he slammed a red dog. He's he's a little he took tired. a five hour lethargy. <laughs> yeah, he's that. Uh, yeah, you know, he had a red dog. And he's, he's not even blinking. Two thirty nap. He's got to be aware for the next show. Whoa, but, uh, whoa, whoa! Then so a bulldog. And for people who don't know, a Red Bull mixed with a red dog is a bulldog. Yep. I call it trolley punch. Um, <laughs> just the worst. What what would that be? It'd be like. It'd be like taking Coke and then drinking to level off or something. An old dog. Uh, old the, uh, dog. That's when you leave it open and drink it the next day. Yeah. Get to scrape off the uh, the soup skin off the top. It's pretty gross. Um, yikes. The uh, um, God damn it. I had a good thought. And it's, oh, the NBA. Prove it. There was a, no. So there was a huge report that uh, ESPN ran yesterday on how sleep deprived and this is because you can listen to this at any time this would be monday how sleep deprived nba players are and mm-hmm. you, are you familiar with this and so well i've i've read about like their nutrition and they're, like they're reworking everything a lot of these guys are going vegan yeah or like chicken only like i think kevin love did something like that so this is a baxter i think it's baxter Holmes, and i'm looking oh this he's up. he's unbelievable yeah this is a piece a long form on how you know the best players like LeBron. this is on you know very similar to baseball the best players like LeBron have a very regimented schedule and they schedule in sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this not only validates Nelson Cruz, and I think what he's doing in some respect, given that we know just from covering the team, and if you watch every Twins game, you're like, how are these guys well, a- the able to do Cruz their job? Is how is someone his age staying up above like past eight o'clock, past the, you know, <laughs> the, uh, old person special at Denny's T- Tobias Harris, by the way, goes to bed at like eight 30 or something. Wow. I mean, it's because these guys are on the road a lot. It's obviously two different sports. MLB is more games. However, you know, the, the travel's a little more spread out because they're playing series NBA. You're kind of in your suitcase when you're, when you're on the road. But, um, I think a story like this actually validates what Rocco did. I think very specifically of when they had to play the nationals at home, 
I believe it was on a Thursday. Early bird dinner is what I meant. Sorry. They they, they fly. Sounds about right. Yeah. They fly to Cleveland for that huge series where they played a. They mm-hmm. ended up playing a doubleheader, but they were supposed to play on Friday. Right. And he and this is what Rocco did all season long. He said, um, you know, you can sleep in. You don't have to come take ground balls, do BP or whatever. It's important that you get eight hours. You also could see in their locker they had some sleep, which is actually like the opposite of. Red Bull, it's supposed to help you go to bed, especially if it's off Is that something time. available to people like us? It is. I've had I have tried it and it's a very um it's it's an interesting product. It does not it makes you feel like you're tired, like normal tired. It's not kind of it's not going to knock you out. It's not going to I don't know. How does it compare to listening to this podcast? I I would say actually in tandem. If you uh drink a Sam, drink a Red Bull and uh, or a Red Dog and uh not Red Bull and uh and listen to this podcast. That, literally, put that literally sounds like hibernation material. Yeah. No, but I, I think it's very effective in kind of telling your body like it's time to sleep. And um what does it taste like? It's really good. It's uh it's I don't know how to describe it. It's like uh I'm adding some to my cart on Amazon right now. Like like fruity or something. You can get uh, we're we're not paid for this, but like you can get a free four pack of it. It's Whoa, some, where um on somsleep.com. But, uh, I'm going there. Right look now. at this. We got a sale right away. This is why you should advertise on Midwest Swing and uh, use our promo code MWS20. But um, on the website, Ooh, but, look um, at that. That was a perfect segue. But the uh, um, yeah, I had noticed it in the Twins locker, and I asked Dustin Morris, the PR guy, and he goes, "Yeah, the the players are using this as kind of part of Rocco's program or whatever, and or at least Rocco's very obvious idea that like, hey, you should probably sleep more and not, you know." wake up to take ground balls, which you do all the time. Um, but you know, part of, part of this program to keep the guys aware and awake and performing their best. And I asked many of the players, I said, do you like this product stuff, stuff like that? And many of them are using it and saying, you know, there's just nights where you're restless, where you're on the plane, where well, how about coming home at 12 o'clock after playing the high of like adrenaline, adrenaline, you know, that shower after the game and talking to people like you and me is not going to bring you down. No. And also some of those guys work out after games. I I don't know Mm. how much people know this, but like if you, especially if you're on the bench, but it would frustrate reporters, but like Joe Maurer would be in a full sweat. Hildenberger, I've seen literally like almost like panting. He's, you know, like he's gone through a full fledged workout late after these games. Uh, And this is pretty common. Jason Castro has a long routine because of his knees. I mean, then he catches but also because you think he's torn the meniscus in both of them. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, those guys obviously are building up adrenaline late. They have the rush of the competition. And then the Twins played 17 in games, 18 in games. I mean, you know, there's all sorts. And then just the built-in flight times or whatever that are all kind of wonky. I think mm-hmm. um, this has been a key to their success. And I think in some ways, you know, the NBA can kind of learn from, I'm assuming it's not just Rocco doing this, but kind of people like Rocco people like the twins front office that I think part of their one-on-one win success is these guys got regular sleep, you know, had established routines and on a very micro player level, mm-hmm. look no further than Nelson Cruz, who should be declining at his age. However, multiple naps has a routine stays in shape, you know, all these little things that add up to him having success as a player, but also may have success as a manager down the road. Yeah. First order of some sleep has been ordered too. So again, MWS. Bailey, you got it. People got to advertise on the show. It's phenomenal. <laughs> I hope people didn't hear me cough just now, but <laughs> MWS 20 again for that promo code to get you $20 yearly subscription to zone coverage. We're still doing the zip card, zip card, 
uh, gift cards. Yeah, now and, got and the T-shirt. Yeah, and and people should look. Obviously, the the season's far away, but we'll try to think of something during the offseason. But what is a zip card? I don't know. I literally I don't, don't know what, know what, I don't what, know what, what Brandon's giving I need away. Some but, of that some sleep. Uh, but the uh, yeah, we will run contests also on our Twitter ad zone coverage, man. Uh, first RBI, no, yeah, typical. Yeah. But, yeah, we've been doing know. that for the Vikings, and it's been actually quite popular. Yeah, so you can get yeah, Buffalo Wild Wings or my burger. Should we take some questions? Yeah, let's do it. Corey Englehart says, I know pitching should rightfully be the focus, but what are the chances the Twins go after a name or a stud as a position player? So, like revisiting Yasmani Grandal from last season, something like that. Um, so I'm trying to think of who qualifies as a stud in this free agent market. I guess Grandal, who will probably decline his mutual option with the Brewers. Sorry, Bailey. Other than that, I mean, stud potential. I'm just kind of scrolling here to make sure I don't miss it. I just don't know why that's why you're spending your money when you have. Josh Donaldson I don't think is going to happen. Anthony Rendon is not going to happen. He's going to get $200 million from somebody. Maybe the Nationals. I, I just spend your money on pitching if you're the Minnesota Twins in the offseason. I, I, I think it's their lineup is not only – established but i think continuity and chemistry goes a long way yeah i don't think it's i don't think it's gonna happen next question oh somebody wants him to sign a number one pitcher and lock him down for four to five years do you think that makes sense for the twins to again zach wheeler instead of um instead of garrett cole how do you feel about that i mean i I, as much as you should invest in pitching you also have to realize if they're gonna have a rotation like I mean I and very few people are gonna have like Washington's rotation, right? But yeah, or, no. or something similar to the Astros, that's gonna have to come from within. So if you overspend there and um in some way somehow like block end up blocking your star players or just kind of you know again these guys have to pitch the the budget for the team. I mean if, if they overspend on, on a player now it may mean down the road you can't get an addition you need or or um you're blocking you know the rotation spot is taken up by someone who um even if they're four or five they're there because they're making a lot of money not necessarily because there's any star potential in it anymore does that make sense right mm-hmm. you want to use those back end four or five slots to work in lewis thorpe um you know whoever devin smelter whoever it is do you think they're more likely to trade for someone like that yeah i think uh i think the twins you have to balance this, right? They didn't do enough in the bullpen, I think, last year, as the, although bullpens are tough. But um, in the offseason, and then it's we learned at the trade deadline, it's hard to make a move, and you mm-hmm. run the risk of the Dyson deal or whatever. I mean, the offseason is going to be easier just because more teams are going to be willing to make trades. And you can do medicals. I don't right. think you can do that at the deadline. However, I wouldn't be shocked if they did a Grenke deal down the road, meaning... Just not with him. No, 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 right? But like a player who's a little bit older at the end of their contract take on some risk knowing we need a third pitcher, right, for the playoffs or whatever whatever it is, whatever that need is, I think they should not shy away from that because that way you can actually get a good pitcher with less term, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Like they did with Odorizzi. Right, totally. Um, let's see what else do we have for a uh, question. I'm just kind of looking. Oh, could Steven Gonsalves be DFA'd this offseason? What do you what do you think about him? There was that kind of road to ninety five. He did come up and play the majors. I think majors. he's he got at least hype. another year. I think they should too, just because you may need a fifth starter. You might need a lefty in the bullpen. I I think it's so hard to judge him on the year he had, just because he was injured. 
And and oh, we yeah. shouldn't forget that he was a stud prospect that people were excited about. What was that two years ago? No, yeah, I, not even. I, I think it's an overreaction to say let's move on from kind of the Gonzalez project. Yeah, no question about it. How about Shane McGinnity, our friend from Kansas City? Does yeah. it make sense to non-tender CJ Crone? Let's take that one first. Yeah, I. I, I like the idea of leaving first base kind of open mm-hmm. as like a half day off, if you will. So it's, a, you know, it's not quite the um, full you're sitting on the bench or whatever. It's not even quite being a DH, but um, Adrian's or whatever. If he's hot, keep his bat in the lineup, put him at first base. Marwin Gonzalez, I, something like that. I didn't think he was great at first base. A-Ray? Yeah, maybe personally. that's a bad example. But like Marwin Gonzalez, if he's on a roll, but he's kind of being used in utility, that is a way for him to – it's going to be less wear and tear than being at – short or in the outfield or something mm-hmm. like that. So I think CJ Crone being non-tendered makes a ton of sense. I'm not certain that's going to happen, but do you, think, do you think they retain him? No, I don't. Yeah, I don't either. How about trading it Rosario for whatever you can get that's decent? We were going to touch on this. You wrote about this during the season. It is now being brought up again. By a lot of people. Yeah, kind of Star Tribune, The Athletic. August 26th was the date that I wrote mine. So I think I was out in front of it. I'm going to pat myself on the back. The Rosario, Eddie Rosario train, wanted to fight train, you. Train. He wanted to fight you in the clubhouse. Bailey had to break it up. Yeah, which is fine. Thank you for that. Do we want to talk about Rosario and, and that piece? I think people should well, go back and read it. But some people are asking, what it. can you get? I think a three-starter. So or, we said John Gray, which I, I really like that return. But And again, you can add prospects. You've got prospect capital to move. I went with a catcher and a corner guy because the Rockies could use help in both spots, but... If they want different prospects or maybe one higher end guy, I'm not object. I'm not a, like, uh, I don't object to that. But at the same time, I don't think the value is that far off that you couldn't make something happen if it's, you know, maybe, maybe, um, a, a number six overall prospect. You know, I'm not, I'm probably not trading Jordan Balazovich in that trade, but yeah. maybe I'm trading Blaine Enlo. Don't, don't, don't trade. This is the way I think people should think about it. And we kind of said it on the last show. Don't trade a player that you can see in the majors within the next year. Reasonably. I'm saying being kind of an impact player, which I think Royce Lewis, Kirloff, Larnick, the Canadian guy who I've struggled with his name. Balazovich. Yes. Um, the uh, Those guys I can see make an impact really soon. Anyone else should be on the table. This is why you can't fret over Jalen Davis. You have to trade players like that to get anything. And I know Sam Dyson was Well, not only that, but if Davis is on your 40-man roster, eventually you have to find room for him in the big leagues, and that just wasn't likely. Yeah. He also wants to know if you use the money from those to sign Jose Abreu. Hmm. I think think the worst-kept secret is that Abreu would really like to go back to Chicago. They like him as a mentor for Jimenez. Also, and they're for, an up-and-coming team. I know Twins fans don't want to hear it, but... Yohan Moncada. Well, they're up-and-coming, but he's also like 33 or 34. Yeah, 32 years old right now. 32. Probably entering okay. his 33. So yeah. it's not the worst idea for the Twins to do. Abreu has not exactly been the player that maybe Twins fans remember from when he first came up. Not a lot of on-base percentage. I mean, he's almost like the first-base version of Eddie Rosario. So he was, His slash line was uh, 284, 330, 503. That's almost uh, almost almost exactly Eddie Rosario. I mean, maybe a little better on base, I guess. But he is not known for taking walks. He's a very free swinging guy. I I don't hate the idea, and I think a middle of the order with Cruz, Sano, and Abreu would be devastating. But how much are you willing to pay for him? Because if you are if you are not going to pay CJ Crone seven point nine million, are you going to pay Jose Abreu fourteen million? 
Here's my feeling is if Nelson Cruz, let's say, was retiring. Then maybe. I really like that. I don't know if I like it with with Nelson Cruz. <laughs> Not that Nelson Cruz should like prevent Plus, you from I think Abreu gets a two-year deal, and then your outfield gets a little bunched up with Larnick and Kirilov both possibly being ready in the next year. I don't hate it. I, I, I believe in what you're saying, and I think it's worth stating again. I think the White Sox are up and coming. If I'm Abreu and you can be known as kind of like the – they're Nelson Cruz, let's say. Mm-hmm. I well, that but but having two Nelson Cruises instead of one is not a bad thing. I know. I I don't hate it. I would not have thought about that without the question coming up. But I I still think, I still think because it's the beginning of the winning window, there should be a focus on youth. But if you front end it, front 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 load it. Do you like it, Bailey? You like Jose Abreu? Nah, Bailey's out on that. Like sixteen million for the first year and twelve million for an option in the second yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But then McGinnity also says, then you roll with Wade, Cave, Adrianza, Marwin, and Rooker in the outfield until Kirilov or Larnick is ready. Ugh, I don't think you can have that bunch of guys, that Motley crew, it's rough. as a starting player in a t- from a team that won 101 games last year. I mean, I guess you can do Marwin as a starting left fielder for a while, and I guess it's not the worst thing. I don't. What I mean, I have to be candid. I don't see Brett Rooker, Brent Rooker ever playing for this team. I just don't. I don't know if I do either. Although I think that's a good example he's not of a prospect quite, that he's you not should quite Jalen Davis, but that's why I have him in the Eddie Rosario deal. Yeah, with yep, yep. Brent Ben Ben Rortfett, who I think has been passed up by the uh, who's the catching prospect. Yep. Oh, oh, Jeffers. Yeah, Ryan Jeffers. Yep. So totally different type of player, though. I mean, if you had a Jeffers and Rortfett fusion. You'd have the best catcher in baseball because Jeffers is a masher and Rortvet's a great defender. Rortvet has started getting on base, hasn't showed a lot of power, but could be one of those, maybe like a Francisco Cervelli types, which is is a valuable player. But how much time are you going to commit to Mitch Garver? How much time do you want to wait on Jeffers? And then is Jeffers going to be a starter? Is Jeffers just going to be an offensive first backup? Which is what Gar- people thought Garver was going to be. And so... That's why I traded Rooker, who I don't think ever plays for this team. Nothing personal. I think he's got a great Twitter account, and I think he can really hit. But they're going to prioritize outfield defense. He can't play outfield as good as these guys can. And I just don't think he's ever going to leapfrog Kirilov at first. So to me, he's, he's trade bait. What um, I think two comps worth thinking about here are Nico Goodrum and Daniel Polk. I, not saying that they're the same players, but the idea that— No, I get it, though. That's not a bad comp at all. It, that's the level of prospect that you're trading, I think. So Nico Goodrum is a major league player, but he's on the Detroit Tigers, and we would be talking about him a whole bunch more if he was a rising star for that team. Yeah. Daniel yeah, yeah. Polka hit 27 home runs two years ago, right? And then he had like three hits this year. Yeah. I, I think that's why you don't worry about that. You may be trading major league players. You, what you can't trade is the Royce Lewises who then go on to be – a star player at a position you need. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's the best way to put it. What is the outfield that he stated? I just, uh, it was the weirdest cave. Crowd. Well, it was all these guys in one spot. Oh. I cave, mean, Wade, Adrianza, Marwin. I would Rooker. go I would go I feel like I'd go Wade over all those guys. I guess you want Cave's bad, but you know, Adrianza or Marwin you're just rotating through there. You should never put them permanently in the outfield in my mind. Luis Arise was used out there. I wouldn't use Arise in the outfield a lot. I, I think he's a special <laughs> I, player. I but. asked Rocco, I said, first of all, could you envision a 
Now, nobody's going to be Ben Zobrist too necessarily, but could, how did how did it come to be that he became a util, a guy that could play all over? And could you envision? Actually, I said it was a Marwin Gonzalez type path. And what Rocco said was, I mean, Marwin Gonzalez players like that. It takes a willingness and an ability. So it's not just yeah, can you play those positions, but are you willing to? And and young players are always worried about the stigma of if I become a utility guy, will that be all I ever am? Yeah. Well, Marwin turned it into a $21 million multi-year deal, but I think he expected to get four years and probably about 50 million. So was there so, a how- stigma issue there? But anyway, what Rocco said was, uh, honestly, he was just mashing and we had to find somewhere for him. So we just kind of threw him in left field. <laughs> yeah. That, no, that makes sense. <laughs> so I thought, Hey, that's a, that's a pretty good answer. That's a candid answer, which I thought was pretty awesome. Do you, do you think Marwin's around past his contract? No. And why is that? Um, Because I, I guess the it's point— It's not that players of his type aren't valuable because they definitely are. Yeah. I just think it's possible that a rise could become that player or even Royce Lewis, who we've seen play literally all over— Because he's had to over, in summer league. Literally all over in the fall—well, the fall league. Or fall league, sorry. It's summer in Arizona, but— yeah. <laughs> um, uh, not that you'd want to shoehorn Lewis into that kind of role because you want him to probably stand in the dirt in a specific yeah. spot. But, I mean, he's play, he's making diving plays in center. He looks fine at third. He's hitting homers. So he seems to be comfortable, which is, is certainly good. He obviously had the um, – I can't I, – I'm trying to remember what the injury was, if it was a hamstring. It was something that nagged him at the beginning. Uh, at the end of spring training when they sent him back to oblique, the minors. I think. Yeah, it could have been an oblique. Yeah. And I think that certainly played a role in his struggles as well. And they didn't really let it keep them from bringing him up to Pensacola where he didn't play all that well either. But he's a talent that you're going to gamble on. I mean, I think Fangraph still has him as their number one prospect in all of baseball. Yeah. But if if Lewis does not become that kind of player, then somebody probably has to because of the depth they have. I don't think they're moving Polanco to left field. So God, no, I hope. Well, not only that, but how valuable will Marwin be if your outfield is Larnick, Buxton, Kepler, your infield is Kirilov, Louis Polanco Sano, how much of a need is there for a Marwin guy? No, I, I think you're right. I think the point, and, and, and if and if a rise is good enough to play the infield, and then you have an outfielder, whether yeah. it's Wade, Cave, any number of other guys, Luke Rayleigh could play first and left. Luke Rayleigh's an inch. So Luke Rayleigh was the better prospect in the Smelter Dozier trade, right? He went to the AFL instead of Kirilov. Yeah, because they want to Kirilov off his feet. I mean, this is this is the truth is. It's going to be interesting how they use their prospect capital because they have a lot. It's they're like the number six, something mm-hmm. like that. So I, I think I think they maybe don't have the high end prospects. Well, I mean, obviously they do have high end guys, but they two, don't two have. Them. Yeah, they don't have maybe the sexy toolsy guys, but they have more prospect depth. Like one, that's what 20, you want. They that's might how, be more. That's what you do is you shuttle off a whole bunch of these mm-hmm. TM major leaguers. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think you will. I think the truth is someone's going to pay Marwin Gonzalez because he's. He is an incredibly valuable player in my mind, just with his bat and his ability to play all around the field. Is there any chance you would trade him this offseason? I I thought about this. He's I didn't put him in a trade for a pitcher. He's got a cheaper year left on his deal. He's obviously still a fairly good player. He didn't have a great year, but he started so slow, and then he battled the oblique. So it's yeah. kind of hard to get a read for him. But um, he's still I, – I didn't think he looked out of place anywhere defensively. I thought he looked terrific at first base especially, like – he made us forget that CJ Crone was so good at the beginning of the year because of the picks he was making and all that. I don't know. I mean, if if somebody called and offered you, I'm not sure what kind of pitcher you'd have to get. I mean, it, 
I would see him as like a sweetener in a pitcher. Tray. But I mean, if like someone sense? offered you a Lance Lynn for him, not I, I love, Lynn? I love. You're not going to get Lance Lynn. I love that Lance Lynn. I know this is like a very Minnesota sports thing, but left and became like a stud. <laughs> I think both sides were better for him leaving. Yeah, but what a contract! What three years, thirty mil? Yeah, I mean, if you could get Mike Miner for Marwin Gonzalez, I would do that trade right away. Really? Yep. Like a number three starter in. Of course, yeah. Because you still have to, I think you still have to sign a number one starter. You do. And I think yeah. Zach Wheeler is that guy. I, I know people don't, but I think his tools and Wes Johnson, he's going to he's gonna tick up. And he's already at a level where he's he's pretty dang good. I think if he ticks up at all, you've got a number one. You've got number two in Barrios, probably one of the better number twos in baseball. And then your number three, if it's, if it's um, Mike Miner or someone of that ilk, that's that's pretty good. Like I think that's yeah. that's really good. So, um, Ari- Luis Arise when he first got called up, I was like, okay, you know, I just was not expecting a ton. And the fact well, they had that, him play a little short too, didn't they? Yeah, like very little. And, and the fact that that he's making a player like Marwin expendable is crazy. But but I if mean, he can play right. second, third, and short, and your guys all come up and do what they're supposed to, yeah. And also, you can pl- and you can play him in left in a pinch. Yeah, Ooh, but I mean, uh, we're also so used to hear prospects coming up and being bad or not living up to the hype, and there's or needing a lot of time. And there's two things: it's because we overhype prospects, but yeah. it's also because they're brought up. They were brought up into bad environments. Aaron Hicks. There was too much expected of Aaron Hicks. Oh yeah, he and led off in his first MLB game. I know against and, and, Justin Verlander and led off way too much and was brought up too early, and now is a star player for the Yankees. And I, I, how you avoid that is. You have to bring these guys into winning environments. But also, also, it's not prom- – so someone asked me about my blueprint, like, oh, none of the existing rookies coming up? Well, you can't promise them spots out of the spring. Totally. I know yep. it becomes oh, you're manipulating their service time. Why isn't Bruzdar Gratterall up? Why isn't a- Alex Kirilov or whoever? Part of it will come down to service time, I'm sure. They'll never admit that because it would be illegal to do that, like Terry Ryan would say. That's illegal. But right. it's – uh. I just loved his old, like, those, whatever, those I like when he would were. stare at you for, like, five seconds when you asked a question, <laughs> and it was either a really good question or a really bad question, and you didn't know until his answer was done what right, he thought, right. which was terrifying. But, yeah, you're, so you're not bringing a kid into a situation where they're going to have to sink or swim and your season's going to hinge on it. I'm, as soon as Bailey wakes up for his nap or is done, uh, I don't know what he's doing on his phone. He's got that off-brand sleep psalm. I've got, I've dog. got. Psalm <laughs> sleep, rather. Can you imagine you enter the Twins clubhouse? Bailey, are you ready to answer a question about the Brewers or are we interrupting uh, some mobile gaming? Well, I, didn't say, I didn't say we were going to talk about the Brewers. No, I just wanted to ask yeah, a question. You. Do, is there a complaint among Brewers fans of like when prospects are brought up? Or I, I'm just trying to compare two different teams. Uh, there was a bit. Oh, of, I bet Orlando Arcee is one of these. The, there was a bit of an issue this season with Keston Hira uh, um, yep. with Travis Shaw's struggling early. Um, but they went to the veteran the, first and then went to yeah. the kid. So, yeah. And the Brewers sort of lucked out. Um, Keston got injured. Um, so that was sort of a way for them to be like, well, now we can really stick with Travis. But um, he's a Royce Lewis level prospect. Like he's a oh, stud. Hunter. Oh, yeah. He, as soon as he came up. And I think it's easy to say the Brewers season would have went differently if Keston was there the whole time. You can't say that. We also sure. can't prove that he would have hit the ground um, running. It's but. So- yeah. But Travis Shaw played such a huge part in their season last year 
that they really needed him to recreate what he did for them to have any sort of real chance. Well, it was like Aguilar so you, at the beginning of the year too. Yeah, like you so couldn't you, just pull him out after two weeks. Exactly. You have to, you have to see what you have there. Um, but yeah, I think the last one before that was Arcia and I don't remember too much issue surrounding. Wasn't it VR that he was kind of displacing? Um, or did VR play yeah, second? VR, as soon as, Arcia was up. We moved him to second, but I think it was sort of um, the Brewers did a really good job of managing fans' expectations of the prospects mm-hmm. and sort of using them as a way to bring in a Christian Yelich. It was sort of understood that um, we are using these guys to get other difference makers. Um, mm-hmm. So Brewers fans don't get too connected to. Uh, I, and like I said, there were some people. I I can't say all Brewer fans. There were people mad about the Brinson for Yelich trade, right? Um, and so. I think, and we brought that up on the show before. And it's worth remembering that people would be mad about Lewis a Kirilov for a Trout trade. But you know? here's the other yeah, thing: yeah, yeah. Lewis Brinson might be an example of a prospect that is brought into a bad environment and therefore is struggling. Right? Miami is a team that. God yeah, knows he's what also the type is. of prospect that had a big boomer bust rate because of the swing and miss. I mean, yep. so, so the reality of it was it just was never, bit. never guaranteed. But this is why Bailey's bullish on these on trading prospects, even digging into your or you know trading when you're talking. Oh yeah, guys. yeah. Because yeah. the Yelich deal, I think, worked out. Even if Yelich moves on to somewhere else, I mean, that Brewers team was. Oh yeah. Well, right. not only that, yeah. but Yelich had one of the best contracts in baseball. I think he's still signed for two more years. Yeah. It's yeah, that like trade 14 was, million dollars a year or something. I mean, that trade easy. was very, very good. Um, but yeah, I think you can't, I don't think you should get too attached to prospects. And, um, like I I've said the past couple months, if the twins believe their window is open, you got to go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, it's just worth thinking about it from another perspective because, um, people here just always assume a prospect won't pan out until they're traded away. <laughs> or they know? will pan out after they're traded away. Because, that's, what, that's what I because mean. Because they were traded away, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, just worth kind of looking at it from another perspective. Jeff Disher says, what is the biggest position the Twins need to address in the offseason? I will shut the hell up and listen. Wow, that's aggressive. <laughs> uh, num- number one starter. Yeah, number one starter, yeah. and I think it's it's the elephant in the room, is that they, people think they won't pay for one. But if the difference between Zach Wheeler and and Garrett Cole is $100 million, I think I'm taking Zach Wheeler every time. And the Twins' bottom line doesn't matter to me because I'm not one of the poll ads. They're not hitting you up. No, no. But <laughs> I also view financial flexibility as a valuable thing. And I don't know. I mean, Garrett Cole's a stud, and it would be. I, I would say this. it would be wise to go get him. I just also we just need to be careful. Like Garrett Cole, because he's the top free agent, is probably going to the Astros or the Yankees because those are the it's, two it's best also teams. Putting too many assets in one player that if he gets hurt, and it's not even so much like a torn UCL or an, a rotator cuff or anything, but a line drive off the elbow, you know, I mean Corey Kluber style. I, I would say, or Phil Hughes had that weird. It, the ball yeah, hit the his ball. Knee. Hit, yeah, that was JT um, Realmuto actually. I think think about it this way: we know how contracts affected the Twins clubhouse on the low end, the one year deals. Yeah, right. It can happen on the high end too, where someone makes too much money becomes kind of this albatross, and it's not just how much the owner spends or, or what's on the balance sheet, but it's other players start to dislike that guy, right? I mean, that mm-hmm. you have the opposite of the Nelson Cruz effect. So, I guess 
where I'm at there is I think it's how you led the last podcast off. I don't think Cole's coming here or yeah, Gary Cole is coming here anyways. I don't think we should focus on him too much. The reason why I like your blueprint and getting Wheeler is that it's a shotgun effect. You're looking at, can you get, uh, who's the ex Baltimore player Gossman? Mm -hmm. Can you get him on a rebound? Can you get gray on a trade? Can you get, uh, Garcia to play outfield? Like it's, it's, it's well, or, well, the, and, and well Wheeler, Will Smith, the closer or the reliever. Yeah, and then Wheeler, the free agent. What I'm saying is, you should use trades, free agency, and kind of this reclamation project. I know that Perez didn't work out. Go look at Oakland, what they do with their pitchers. Honestly, you can say Perez didn't work out, but what he gave them in the first couple months. You do it every time. It's yeah. was it a nothing yeah. contract. You can get rid of them. You can buy. Well, them and not only year. not only that, but if Steven Gonsalves is healthy, maybe he gets bumped to the bullpen. If Cole Stewart pitches better, maybe he gets bumped to the bullpen. If Bruzar Gratterall doesn't have a sore shoulder from June to August, maybe he gets bumped to the bullpen. You, you, as much as people say, if you bring back Perez or Gibson, you're not taking seriously that you need to beat the Yankees or Astros. Every one of those teams has guys like that. If you had to name every pitcher who made a start for the Astros this year, there's guys like Jose Urquidy and... Wade Miley and like guys that people have not heard of. Isn't Wade Miley a, a Brewers? He was. Yeah. What do we think about Wade Miley? He looks exactly like Stephen Avery. I love Wade Miley. I love that Big. you love Wade Miley. Tell I, me I'm wrong. He looks like Stephen Avery. I mean a little, but I know Wade Miley was such a fun story for the Brewers oh, last yeah, year. They signed no him on a minor league deal, and he like this. Yes, he's pitched like game one of the NLCS. Like it was absolutely ridiculous what he was able to do. I, but I love it. I think this is is you need multiple approaches. You can't go all free agency. You can't go all trades because you run out of prospect capital. You can't go all reclamation projects because you know they don't always pan out, and you just don't want all these old injured guys sitting around. So. I, again, look at your blueprint. I think this was the key is that you used multiple approaches to build this team. Well, and that's what they're going to do as well. Yeah. So MN Twin Pinions says, thoughts on trading Jorge Polanco, gasp, for a frontline starting pitcher with control. Could also improve up the middle defense with a, goal, a glove first replacement. So the Twins can't go into this offseason saying we're not trading player X. However, who plays shortstop if you trade Jorge Polanco? That's the question that I keep asking. Yeah, don't trade Jorge Polanco. I, I just don't see it. The, if you sign a guy to a contract like that and you trade him a year later, that just, other, it, other guys won't sign it. I swear they won't. It doesn't look good. It's, I don't know. I don't know how much a dog just walked in. Nice. Sorry. Um, I don't know. What's up? <laughs> also, who are these teams that are just trading pitchers? <laughs> Right. I know. I mean, I mean, I know. you know, there's like 29 other teams that need <laughs> front line starting pitchers too. Like no, you'd get the Jorge Polanco yeah. of pitchers, which is like, yeah, this guy's good, but I haven't seen much yeah. of him. You like know? you got, I under, I understand. Like let's trade. I, the twins need pitching. The brewers need pitching. There's tons of teams that needs pitching, but you can't just say, oh, let's, we'll trade this guy and we'll get a front line. You need, but I mean, like, are you getting, you're not getting Bl uh, Blake Snell from the Rays. Are you getting Ryan Yarbrough? Are you excited about Ryan Yarbrough? <laughs> like, you, it, it's a guy yeah. who showed a bunch in the second half. Sure. But is it enough for your, like, I'll take that gamble? No, you know Polanco. He's he's a dude at the plate. And defensively, I no, don't think he's as bad as people he's think. He's so important to the Twins. There's just no way that they're moving him because who plays shortstop? We'll go out and sign somebody. The shortstop list, since I have it in front of me, You've got Elvis Andrews, who obviously Levine familiarity. 
Maybe. Freddie Galvis. Nah, he doesn't do anything for me. Didi Gregorius is not coming to Minnesota. No, he's going to Milwaukee. Future Brewers. He's going to get like $16 million a year. Denny Echevarria. Nah. Uh, he's a glove first, but he can't hit at all. Um, Brock Holt can play all over. He's not a starting shortstop. Jose Iglesias makes sense, but I still don't think that's happening. Eduardo Nunez absolutely fell off. It would be funny. He was a funny dude. Jordy Mercer, Eric Sogard. Those are your shortstops. Uh, I don't think there's any second baseman you can slide over. Do you think Nunez gets like a minor league deal? Like where's he at? Yeah, that's that's where he's at as far as I health. think the Twins should do it. I well, think yeah, Nunez was great. Yeah. But at the same time, I just don't think that there's any way you can replace him in a way that makes sense. You can go defense first, but the value that you're taking away, are you getting it back to – even things out. I think continuity also is just incredibly important. The more you keep a good core together without, you still need the fluidity, flexibility. I know that sometimes you keep the same guys in the room too long. They, they get frustrated with each other. But in general, generally speaking, I think the best thing you can do for a team is to keep a core together, right? And yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. Well, you have to be careful. You have to weed it out because of how things work. Like if things start to get stale, like, so the the Mets back in the day when they had Daryl Strawberry and Doc Gooden, they traded Kevin Mitchell because they thought that he was part of, like, the drug culture because he grew up in gangs and stuff. And yeah. it turned out that he was the street smart guy that knew not to mess with the gangs and the people with the drugs and instead was opening laundromats and was driving to the field with a truck full of coins so that he was, like, riding on his rims. This is a guy that was so street smart, and they traded him because they thought he was a bad influence on Gooden and um and strawberry strawberry bringing, future bringing the colombian whites into the clubhouse yeah. and uh it ended up being complete opposite it didn't work so i don't know i just think y- you can part out your core so to speak at times like it might like rosario four years ago if people said that rosario is going to become a really good player and polanco is and kepler is and bucks and Snow will be close it'll be knocking on the doorstep You'd say, cool, keep them together, get a Nelson Cruz, and let's play, right? Now it's like Rosario won't sign a long-term deal. You Maybe you don't even want him to. He doesn't get on base like you want him to. He's got lapses in the outfield where he just drops fly balls or doesn't seem like he's super focused. So you part it out. Now, okay, back to Polanco for a second. He was worth 4.0 in Fangraph's wins. Let's just assume... You could get a pitcher of the same or similar caliber wins above replacement wise, which put which puts you about the top 20, 25 pitchers in baseball. Do you think the Mets are trading you Marcus Stroman for Jorge Polanco? Hypothetically? No. I don't think so. Mike Soraka from the Braves? No. Luis Castillo from the Reds? No. Kyle Hendricks from the Cubs? No. Mike Miner from the Rangers? No. So I mean that's the caliber of pitcher you would have to get to have a one-for-one one swap. Aaron Nola for the Phillies. I might make that trade, but I don't think the Phillies are. Uh, I'd give you Chase Anderson for Jorge Polanco. And so anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about that. Then you're not getting D.D. Gregorius, and then your whole offseason shot. Okay. Uh, so that's why it doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I don't know if he's going to stick at, at – Shortstop long term, I think he will stick there longer than people maybe think. But yeah, I just I don't see I don't see it happening. Um, Yoshida, 
wants to know if you were to be one of the big free agent pitchers, Cole, Mad Bum, or Wheeler, why would you sign with the Twins? I think a simple answer is money. I think uh, the Twins are going to have to offer money, but I also think they have become an attractive destination because it's an it's a relatively easy city to play in. Yeah, not Wait, that players don't want expectations, but I mean, I mean, I don't know. the players feel the anxiety that the fan base has. I'd say a few things. You play in the summer, so mm-hmm. uh, it's not like you're signing with the Wolves or, or whatever. But also, if you ask. Twins players, very few of them are going to be like, no, nah, I hate it here. You know yeah, I mean? no, most of them like it here. I think it's a good culture. Um, you know, Baldelli is very player-friendly. Mm-hmm. It's a forward-thinking front office, mm-hmm. and I think they really do put players first. I think the other thing is, it's uh, let's state it first, money's number one, right? right? I think the location is better than people think. But it's, if they have a family, too, like I, yeah. I'm sure Madison Bumgarner has a family. I mean, yeah, I don't know if I want like Madison that, Bumgarner. Definitely has three or four kids. Um, yeah. It's just looking at you, it gets you pregnant. Um yeah, it's um, getting hot in here. Yeah, I mean, uh, but yeah, if you want your kids to, to live in a city and a school, pro, uh, you know, this is yeah, a place yeah. to have a family too. I, so I think that's a great point. I think the other thing is this team is close to winning, and I think sometimes we overlook that here because we see them all the time. Right. Because I, I know what the listen. If you're a guy like Wheeler, you go. If you bring me aboard, I'll I'll be part of the solution, beating the Yankees. Plus, getting right? the hell away from the Mets. Who wants to be a Met anymore? I know. You see, how many people have denied the Mets an opportunity to interview with them. And this is why... But then Carlos Beltran will only interview with them. You know what Carlos Beltran's theory is there? What? You don't have to apply for a safety school if you're going to a safety school already. <laughs> that's like that roll-safe gift where the guy's pointing to his head. Like, who needs a safety school when that's where you're going in the first I, place? Here, I mean, just here's the thing. To that point, Thad Levine, who's very kind of clever and funny... He he said something along the lines. He's a modern day Terry Ryan. Yeah, and and in passing, just goes. You know, we have a lot of uh, conversations with agents. They all go swimmingly and are cordial. Mm. And then went on with his sentence. As much as he's acknowledging there that there are times, even with players who want to be in Minnesota, like Polanco and Kepler. Yeah. Um, who you know have been here since they were sixteen. Um, I'm sure those were tense negotiations at times. You have to have a case of the red ass to to be in the front office because. You literally have to be able to tell an agent to go bleep themselves in one d- discussion and then probably a day later say, all right, where were we yesterday? Yeah, you and I, I, mean? I, I think the, the truth is, though, those are people you want to negotiate with because I think they're clear-headed in terms of the players they want, how they evaluate players, and what their method is for winning. And I think those things matter when it comes to you know negotiating and trying to put together a team for the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's completely fair. Now, he also wanted to know, Yoshida, is it possible they trade Nick Gordon for any pitching? No. I'm just going to flatly say no. No, I'm curious. What I just don't see any way. By that, the way, that. Nick Gordon was talking about at the end of the season whether he wants to play baseball. Now, I assume he'll be back or whatever, but Nick Gordon went from kind of top prospect to a very big question mark. That is not a player that will return a lot for you. I think the question is, do the twins continue to invest in him, which I think they do. And then he's on the 40 man roster. They have to. Yeah. And uh, right. And the, but I mean, the other question is, is he almost just kind of a, you put him in a trade as a sweetener or something like, like Eddie I don't, Rosario trade. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think he drives a trade value. And I, I, I think the other thing too, is you just have to think about like him as a person first and just where he's at, because if he's not thinking about baseball long-term, it's not healthy for him to continue to be in the minor leagues, which is the hardest way to play baseball. Right. Sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I just don't see any way he drives a trade for, for big-time pitching. Um, let's see, a couple others here. 
Colby wants to know what is a reasonable return for Eddie Rosario and we what would that. go for oh what would a QO for Big Mike and Odo be? So it's probably going to be about 18 or 17.8 million I think. So with Big Mike it comes down to about 13 million. Um but anyway for Rosario, so I think he was about a two-win player. Again, assuming a similar baseline, that gets you into the uh, Robbie Ray was about there. I don't think he's going for that, but uh you're in that Merrill Kelly, Ivan Nova, Brett Anderson range, which to me is eh, running the other direction. But if you can find a team that values him a little more or you can have a yeah. trade kicker with some prospects, then maybe you bump into the mix where it's uh, Chase Anderson, Miles Michaelis, or <laughs> Anthony Desclafani, or I don't know. I mean, you're getting into obscure names. I think... Uh, like Chase Anderson. It's yeah. so funny. Yeah, I don't think we're going to do that. I think we're at about an hour. How many more questions do we have? 69. Oh. No. Um Phil Gogler says what is the payroll number where Twins fans should feel insulted? Okay, let's do that one last. We're going to do two more questions. Yeah, yeah. Noah Olson says what would you expect someone to be elevated from the inside or someone from the outside if Shelton leaves as far as the bench coach? I would say well, I like the Gabe Kapler thing, but I think it's likely it's inside because I think they a, you need to promote people in order to keep them in the organization, meaning if they don't promote them, they may go somewhere but else. But the problem is bench coach is such a specialized role in Rocco's system. Yeah. So if you've got Jeremy Hafner, who obviously has pitching acumen because, first of all, he was a pitcher. Second of all, he's a pitching coach, assistant pitching coach. Does he make sense as a bench coach? Not really. Does James Rowson make sense? I don't know what Rowson. No, I'm thinking someone from the minor leagues. No, I guess they've released everyone from AAA, but <laughs> yeah. we should mention uh, that yeah, Skinner and all those guys got Yeah, fired, Skinner, but. Javier, um, Valentin, and Stu Clyburn, who had been with the team forever. Uh, Tony, all, all, Tony Leo also. Tony like, Leo gone, which I hate to see. He's yeah, nice Tony guy. Leo's a good dude. Yeah. Um, so there'll be some changes, and again, there's a lot of turnover. But, yeah, maybe they have someone with a big beard in the minors they like that could be a bench coach. I don't know. It seems like you have to have a big beard to coach on this well, team's organization. I mean, maybe this is ridiculous. You're not going to do it. Paul Molitor would be great for that role. I know why you can't do that, but he would. It's unfortunate. He'd be a really good fit for there. Somebody asked me about Tory Hunter, and I'm just I'm not sure if that would make sense or if it would be a total disaster. I just I don't know if you want your bench coach to be like the most energetic person. Like, well, and somebody's <laughs> in the like, why don't, why don't they get somebody with some of the red ass? You know, a guy that really fires yeah. it up. And I'm like, that's just not who Rocco is. So he's not going to want to work with no. somebody like that. I think Tory Hunter is in the right role, which. Him, Kadire, and, and some of those guys are, yeah. are kind of like advisors. Maybe Michael Kadire would be a good bench coach. It's interesting. He does have the temperament for it. I don't yeah. know where he sits in terms of what he believes in, what Rocco's doing or whatever. But, I mean, he seems like the right mentality. He seems like the right personality where, um, you know, low-key kind of got that pulse of the clubhouse thing. And obviously yeah. he's done this forever being in the game. Um I'm still holding out hope for Gabe Kapler. I don't know if it's going to happen, but that kind of guy where it's attention to detail, preparation, and analytics, and he does all those things, yeah. checks all those boxes. Finally, payroll. Phil Gogler wants to know, what is the payroll I, figure where fans should feel insulted? I like the question, actually. I think it's fair to set what that should You be. can set one. I'm saying you have to look at this team from a personnel standpoint and feel like there are holes left unfilled before you consider payroll. And... The trickiest one of those to look at is the bullpen because if you want to sign a bullpen pitcher to a three-year deal but it means that Zach Littell goes back to Rochester to start next season, to me that's not a good gamble. Yeah. So the relief market is a touchy one 
Now, if they go into next year and they're having Luis Arias play third base and Nick Gordon play second, then you're like, whoa, 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 they should have picked up a second baseman. Now, if, if like, if like, let's say Miguel Sano loses his foot in a celebration in the next no, month. I hope to God he doesn't. Right, yeah. exactly. Knock on, you know, knock on wood. But the only reason that you should be upset with the payroll is if you see holes on the roster that could e- could have been filled fairly easily. Now, if they go into next year with a $98 million payroll, I guess, you know, there's there's very obvious situations where you're like, okay, I need to understand this more. And if that means, though, that they've traded for Noah Syndergaard, who's not projected to make a ton of money, to replace, you know, Big Mike Pineda or something where the money maybe is is less, you know, the fact that Arise is going to replace Scope for $8 million less should not get people upset. Does that money have to be no, reinvested? You want the better play- it's it, actually the bullpen's a good example, dude. You want the better players, not the most expensive ones, right? Right. Same idea. So I, it, it, if they spend $129 million next year, but the team looks vastly improved somehow, let's say they trade for two really good pitchers making $500,000. Let's say they trade, they empty out the farm system and trade for Luis Castillo and Mike Soraka. I mean, that's 0.000% chance of happening. But that could mean your payroll opens next year at $125 million and the team is way better than last year. Then whatever. I don't care about the number. So it, it takes nuance. I, I can't set a number and yeah, say, you know let's what? Let's say this. You can't go below 125 You can't go below this year. If it's I below 125 I'm going to have significant questions that will have to be answered by the personnel. It's also worth noting, league average, 137 So They um, really shouldn't be under that. Yeah. They really shouldn't. There's no doubt in my mind they shouldn't. But again, like every other argument, I'm going to need nuance. Bayroll, er, bayroll. Bay, I, I combine my my the person. What's, I'm what's zone coverage is qu- bayroll right now? <laughs> a 24 um, pack of red red dog for every single show produced. Uh, Yikes! Is this a conversation, in Milwaukee? The payroll. Bayroll. Uh, it was like 10 years ago when Alex uh, Rodriguez made as much money as the Milwaukee like when, total team or something. Uh, when, uh, why can't I think of his name? The former commission, Bud Selig. Yeah. When he and his family ran the team, they had pretty tight pockets. Um, you know what this sounds like to me? Yeah. I wanted a bike like that. And then I turned six, <laughs> like Milwaukee Brewers fans yeah. understand that the dollars is less important than the talent. Exactly, yeah. And but again, they've been winning. But I like Christian Yelich wouldn't be a better player if you gave him twenty million instead of fourteen. No, it's million. the it's, same player. Um, Max Kepler didn't get better because he got a long term deal. So yeah, it has. It wasn't when they first around the two thousand eight, two thousand eleven, those years um, when sort of in the time the Twins are in right now, where got to the playoffs, got pretty close, thought we had a chance, and then the next year sort of faltered a little bit. Um, that was the time when. Hey, like, why aren't we spending Yankees money or something? Um, but yeah, not so much. Have you ever anymore. seen Milwaukee? It's not so much anymore. It's about maximizing the value and who you can get and trading your prospects for other players. And um, there, I think they have. I don't even know what the Brewers' payroll is. Off the, it's one one twenty eight six. So that, r- yeah. roughly the same as the Twins. Yeah, that yeah. seems reasonable to me. I know Braun is a big chunk of that, um, his production at this point. But probably. when he goes away, if they don't replace him with a big number, like let's say they exactly. put um, Trent Grisham on Braun there. is basically the Joe Maurer of the Brewers right now where he's great. He's good to have around the team, and he can still produce when needed. Um, but if they replace him with Trent Grisham for $20 million less, yeah, yeah, it yeah. wouldn't mean the team is being cheap. It's exactly. just one of the ambassadors is gone. Exactly. Yeah. 
Did you see the tweet? We'll close on this by Richard Justice of MLB.com. And no. it was, here is Andrew Friedman's resume. Uh, the Dodgers lead the MLB in wins over the last three years. Yep. They lead the MLB in division titles over the last three years. Yep. They lead the MLB in playoff wins over the last three years. And a 38% reduction in payroll. And all the baseball Twitter's like, whoa, 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 when does the 38% reduction of payroll banner go up next year? Like, <laughs> why are you carrying water for the fact that they reduced payroll? And again, I get that teams may want to reduce payroll. And it, it certainly is better for owners if you win more efficiently. Yeah, there was. Uh, but it, was this just, is probably, it didn't fit in the tweet at this all. This was probably like a month ago now, where when the argument before Yelich got injured and the MVP debate was pretty hot. Someone, oh, between him and Bellinger, yeah. Yeah, someone. Molly was, Knight. Yeah, someone was like, Bellinger should win the MVP over Yelich because he costs significantly less. No, that's it, nonsense. That is the worst way to view the MVP that for a smart not, person. She can be really stupid sometimes. That was such a dumb take that, Oh, mm-hmm. we're underpaying this guy. So he should be the MVP. She got like fried over that. And she uh, yeah, still good. felt like a, a week later, it was worth writing an article about how the MVP voting would go. If it was based on price or something like that. Stupid. Absolutely. I was like, wait, 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 did you read any of your mentions? Yeah. Like you had to know this was not a good yeah, idea. Brewers had, Brewers fans had, and it went on it. the Athletic LA, which I'm yeah. sure gets crazy reads oh, every day. Yeah, yeah. So people just, she was like, burnt on this yeah. bad. Yeah. But, um, so we'll be back next Tuesday. I'm working on a few guests for the off season. Phil Hughes, if he ever comes back to Minnesota, uh, I'm not sure the winter is going to be the best time for him. He's got a pregnant wife, and he lives in California in a beautiful place. So why would you Maybe come back to Minnesota? Phone, yeah. yeah, we'll see what happens. Um. Diane Firstman, who is working on a book about weird baseball names, said she'd like to come on the show, so that would be kind of fun. And let's see, who else do we have? Um, I want to talk to each of the broadcasters from the affiliates, too, because those are a lot of fun to get on. Yeah. Brent, you've probably seen the guy on Twitter who makes songs out of <laughs> baseball players' names. I love it. It's uh, I forget oh, who it is. Don Zemmer. Yeah, we should. that should be a topic I of love discussion it. when I she love comes it. on. I love those What's your favorite one? I think Lose Yourself by Eminem was pretty good. Uh, I like the His uh, Armas, Country Road, Spaghetti. Take Me Homes. Oh, also like there was, um, what's that song by Billy Ray Cyrus that's blown up? <laughs> Old Town Road. Oh. oh, yeah. Okay, first of all, it's by Lil Nas X featuring Billy Ray Cyrus. Have some respect. Uh, <laughs> that's like when Kanye did a thing with Paul McCartney and people were like, whoa, this Paul McCartney guy is going to blow up. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, yeah, that might be an interesting one. And again, too, if any pro athletes are out there listening, I can I can get a good interview out of just about anybody. I mean, I make this show work with Tom every week. So Ooh. hit me in the DMs at Brandon underscore Warren. He's Tom Schreier at T Schreier 3. MWS20 on the website. The man behind the Iron Curtain is Justin Bailey at I am Justin Bailey. You've been listening to Midwest Swing. Part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. We'll see you next week. Rock over London. Rock on, Chicago. 